Welcome to the Relaxed Dog Podcast. The podcast where the dogs are the stars of the show. Welcome to episode 95 of the Relaxed Dog Podcast, sponsored by therelaxeddog.com. Thank you for finding this little show. I am your host, Robert Ober, and I hope that you and your dog are well. My guest this week is Louise Harding. She is going to be sharing all about her lurcher, Sheba. But first, make sure that you don't miss any episodes. They've been a little bit erratic lately. All you need to do is hit that subscribe button on whatever platform you are listening on. And if you enjoy the content, please make sure that you tell someone about it. And let's expand our little circle of friends. Anyway, here's the interview. Welcome to the Relaxed Dog Podcast. I am here with Louise Harding. How are you this evening? I'm awesome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Oh, an absolute pleasure. Now, I'm still going to ask. I know where you are, but whereabouts <laughs> in the world are you? <laughs> I'm in, despite what it might sound like, I'm on the central coast in New South Wales. So, And that's just down the road from me. So, Isn't it? <laughs> I know. I'm not even going to ask what the, what the weather's been like because it has been... Wet, wet, and more wet. So, not not good at all for those people listening. We've had um, floods around where we are, and it's just yeah, hasn't hasn't been fun. Hasn't been fun for people wanting to take their dogs out. It certainly hasn't. It's been it's been quite the journey. <laughs> but the sun has to shine eventually. I figure. Shouldn't be too long, and it'll be out again. Everything will dry up, and we'll all get back to normal. <laughs> So, who are we going to talk about today? Well, I've picked a pretty special dog. Um, her name was Sheba, and the way we came to get her was quite the story in itself. So, I thought I'd like to talk about Sheba. Um, she she was our my very first dog, um, and my husband's very very first dog. Wow, he's going to be a special story. Yes. So I'm going to ask you to take us back in time to just before you got Sheba and oh. tell us about the, the hows and whys and the, and the story around how she came into your life. Well, I like to think that everything happens for a reason. Um, so I was recently married Um it was the late 80s. I'm giving my age away now. Um, it was the late 80s, and I'd been married probably six weeks. So we um, we had a great wedding. Um, it was actually in the time of Cyclone Bowler. So we're living in New Zealand. I'm a Kiwi. Probably guessed that. Um, get married the week before Cyclone Bowler, and that was a significant weather event. And we started our married life living together, and it was all going swimmingly. 
and we've been you're probably married six weeks. Um, so my husband often often mentions this that you know he has spent six weeks six weeks of his married life without any animals. <laughs> so, so he had never had his family had cats and guinea pigs, but he had never had any exposure to a dog. Um, not really any extended family members either had dogs. I'd always grown up with dogs and I came from a farming background. Um, my dad was a farmer and we used to visit family and there were always dogs. So to me, everyone had dogs. So I go and visit a great aunt with my mother um, in a town not that far from where we lived in Hamilton um, called Tokoroa. Um, for any Kiwis who might be listening. I hope this is worldwide. It does. <laughs> <laughs> um, so off we go to Tokoroa and to visit my auntie. And um, the, when we arrived, I noticed that there was a dog tied up to the fence. And um, so we go and I go, what's, what's the story with the dog out there tied up to the fence? Oh, wow, my daughter, they decided that their family needed a dog. And they rescued it from the SPCA, but we're just waiting for them to come back and pick it up because it hasn't worked out because the dog, it's not funny. This is not funny. I should have known Um, because the dog had chewed up um, the whole entrance way of the newly laid carpet. So (laughs) that was a misdemeanor that couldn't be forgiven. So it was heading back to the SPCA. And in the meantime, it was tied to a fence and, and looked like it was pretty well behaved. Very soft, sooky dog. Um, she was a greyhound cross. I don't know what with because back in the, in those days, we had dogs that had about five or six breeds in them, so they were a, you know quite a quite a broad mix of breeds, but mostly uh, greyhounds. Those kinds of mixes in her. And she was tied up to the fence. I, I went over, I felt sorry for her, and I, I think my auntie had made scones. So she gets a, you know, scone. Sheba gets given a scone. She liked the scone. I wandered her around, and she was a really sweet young dog, just probably five or six months old, all lanky and legs and unco, <laughs> but pretty sucky and soft and gentle. And um, I took quite a shine to her. Um, Mind you, I've, ever since I'd been about 12, I'd been taking a shine to other people's dogs and on my way home from school I would acquire a few and hope them and take them back. So this possibly was no different. Anyway, so we um, we finished our visit with Auntie Molly and we're heading home and um, I saw this dog and I, I just said, do you want to come home with us then? <laughs> and I I opened the car door and she jumped in and I went, okay, well just tell, you know, just tell my tell your daughter that we've taken her. Oh, you know, you probably wouldn't do that these days. <laughs> so we're driving back with this dog, you know, sitting in the back seat. She's quite tall. She's she was an enormous dog. And um she's sitting in the back seat, happy as Larry, and um it wasn't until it was probably about an hour and a half drive, probably about, you know, 20 minutes from getting back to mum's place where 
my husband was meeting us because, you know, we only had one car in those days. And um, she says, so what What do you think your husband's going to think? <laughs> and for a moment, I remember to the day going, husband? Oh, my God, husband. Husband, minor details. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I probably should I probably should have had some sort of conversation. There's no mobile phones. You know, what What was I supposed to do? So I go, no, it'll be all right. It'll be all right. He'll really like her. So I'm sort of thinking now, not sure how this is going to pan out. Get into the driveway. He's beaten us there. He's already arrived. And um, I get out, you know, I'm the, I'm, we're newly married, so peck on the cheek. Hello, dear. How are you? And um, open the back door and out jumped Sheba. And his words were, what on earth is that? <laughs> oh, um, it's Sheba. <laughs> she's, come, she's come to live with us. And I went in that moment, wow, okay, probably should have communicated that he was going to get a dog. And for me, it, it was, it highlighted the fact that for me, I'd always had animals. Animals were a big part of my life, always there, you know, just really important. And for him, he had never had animals. So it was a huge thing. It was a huge adjustment. Mm. And it's no, you know, there's no preparation time for him. He suddenly acquired a wife. Um, who probably, you know, goes off with these great ideas without really thinking them through. And now he's got a dog. So we head home pretty much in stony silence. Uh, and then I think the words were, where, where is she going to sleep? Yeah, well, I didn't say, I didn't say on the bed. That was pretty much where she ended up. Late and later, later on, but at that time I went, oh, God, goodness. Nah, so she's going to sleep in the woodshed. Okay, awesome. Not a problem then. So clear a space in the woodshed, make her a comfy bed, you know, hung out with her. Um, took We took her for a walk. He wasn't up to holding the lead. He was still pretending she wasn't there. Uh, and I'm like, this is going to be fine. This will be fine. And um, so she spent the night in the woodshed. And the next morning, um, when I got up first and went out, busting out to get this dog, um, very excited and, and thinking it was all going to be wonderful, uh, I opened the woodshed door and there was this grinning dog um, and my motor scooter, which was my most beloved possession, called Rosie. Uh, she was a step-through scooter. Red in colour, and my uh, I loved that scooter. And Sheba had managed to destroy the whole seat. Whoa! <laughs> oh man, bits of seat everywhere, and I just was a bit gobsmacked. Really, I was I was torn between being devastated about the destruction of my motor scooter, and then going, "Oh my goodness, I have to cover." her tracks and try, how am I going to hide this when I've got to ride the scooter to work this morning? Oh, gosh. So that was pretty much, that set the scene really um, for Sheba's life. 
she um, she was pretty destructive. She did like um, anything that was foam, cushion, padded. Um, and if she was left alone on her own for too long, yeah, she'd pretty much eat, you know, anything. <laughs> what an introduction. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that was Shiva. So um, it was quite the long sort of slow, protracted acceptance of Shiva into the household because there'd been, there were a number of misdemeanours involving destruction of property. Um, but, you know, to be honest, and, and, you know, that was why I acquired her in the first place. So, you know, as I look back on my life moving forward, I always, if you're looking at doing an intervention, or rescuing a dog, often there's always a reason why a perfectly lovely dog that presents wonderful with children, wonderful with other animals, there's usually a reason why a perfectly lovely dog has found itself homeless. And I have found in recent years that destruction of property is actually one of the reasons why some dogs are, you know, no longer welcome or not a good fit. Mm. <laughs> yes, sadly. Yeah, yeah. Sadly, there's a bit, sadly. Of, bit, of, bit of misunderstanding goes around. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I thought that what was yours was mine. And look, you know, if I didn't, if I didn't have that dog, I'm not sure that I would know as much about dogs as I do today, because it was very obvious that you know something that had a lot of scent attached to it. You know, like, okay, a motorbike seat where you sit on it to ride it. You know, there's a lot of scent value that's attached to that because mm. you do a lot of sitting on it. And as is the same with a cushion, you know, like a couch cushion or a pillow, it has a lot of smell and scent attached to it. It starts with, you know, the dog sniffing it, then they poke it, then they poke it a little harder and then there's a little hole. Then they pick it up and then... It's really good fun when stuff flies out. That's it. So, another word: de- deconstruction engineers. Yes. Yes. So, what's what's that made out of? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, look, it flies. Yeah, this is fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I don't think that you know, back in the day, we used to have a lot more feathered feather eider downs and feather cushions, and you know, than we do today. So I imagine that, you know, things were even more interesting back then. So, so yeah, that was that was Sheba's early initiation. Yeah. Did you have uh, like a – what sort of yard did you have at that stage? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we lived in an old dairy company house. So I worked for – I worked in town for the local dairy company and when you worked for them – you were entitled to a staff house, like, but it was an old rundown. I suppose the equivalent would be an old farmhouse, and there are a number of those all in a in a row in a street behind an old disused um, dairy factory, and there were it was a reasonable sized yard, but it wasn't really fenced. But you know, this is late eighties. You didn't worry about fences, and the road was pretty quiet, and we had lots of neighbours. So during the day, she cruised around and went visiting all the neighbours, all the kids, and and you know, like you just your dog was just out wandering around, and then when you came home, 
there it was. It's a big part of the community. It was. Look, and now looking back on that, I'm appalled with my own behaviour and the fact that I made so many assumptions that, you know, there's traffic. There was traffic over there. It wasn't a lot of traffic, but people were coming in and out of their driveways. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, there were lots of people and I didn't really know them. They were just sort of neighbours, just people you said g'day to. And, you know, there's a lot of trust that went on with, see you later, I'm going to work and you'll have to stay here. Um, so, oh, and we had chickens as well. So, and they used to wander around. What was I thinking? <laughs> with, a, with a, you know, a lurcher, a, you know, a dog with a lot of prey drive. I wouldn't, I honestly, to, I wouldn't do it now. I, I know way too much now. Um, but I was very naive back then. So were there incidences with the chickens? Well, you know, there may have been. There were just, you know, you'd you'd have five chickens and then you'd have three. And, you know, there was no evidence that anything went wrong with the chickens. I think there may have been one minor incident, but nothing obvious. But, you know... We lived in a neighbourhood where, you know, people quite often there would be chickens in crock pots and chicken soup. But, you know, that was, you know, (laughs) you had chickens and, yes, you got them for their eggs, but sometimes sometimes it was a bit more than that. And causes unknown. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But, you know, I didn't didn't see anything, Um, but she was a really clever dog. So, you know, and I, I don't know whether it's a sign of dogs now that, you know, she was a bit more clever and a bit more shrewd. But, you know, dogs had a lot more freedom then because they could. True. You know? So did Sheba have uh, uh, like a doggy gang that she sort of hung around with or? Yeah, there were a few, you know, like we would call them rough. There were some very rough dogs that she used to hang around with. <laughs> Um, you know, and people will say, oh, she lived in a rough neighbourhood and, yeah. Um, but, you know, nothing untoward ever really happened. Um, she didn't always do as she was told. So I think as part of the whole, oh, let's, you know, because Murray's still getting his head around this whole living with a dog thing and, you know, if we leave her too long unsupervised and go off to do anything, she eats something, <laughs> rips something up. Um, well, actually, there was quite the story about that. Uh, I have got another story about what she ate. That was pretty spectacular. Um, <laughs> so it was decided that I'd better take her to dog obedience classes, mm-hmm. um, which I did, and I went to the local um, obedience classes, and and that was run by a very strict, short, feisty lady who's quite elderly and had a cane. Um, I remember the cane because she used to use that um, not to scare dogs, but to crack you on the on the arm if you weren't doing something right, or you know she gesticulate with her stick. She's quite formidable, really. Um, I remember her name, but I won't. I won't. Well, it I sounds like, like she's a uh, 
good method for getting the point across because, <laughs> as you know, it's not it's not too much. Uh, it's not that much about training the dogs. It's really training the people. Yes. But you know, back then, dogs dogs did as they were told, and um, I'm not saying that today. I agree with those training that training methodology. And look, to be honest, I don't think it did Shiva much good because she didn't really care. You know, um, at the end of the day, um, she was compliant to a point. She was quite. A, she was a really soft dog, so you know, shouting repeating yourself multiple times, gesticulating, uh, she didn't really care. It's too <laughs> late anyway. She's already, you know, had fun with whatever. Um, but um, she did become more sociable when after we went to the dog club mm-hmm. and did decide that other dogs running, chasing, playing with other dogs was far more fun than coming when her name was called. Okay. Yep. So, uh, and that only happened, funnily enough, after she went to the dog club. So, um, yeah, interesting that <laughs> she decided that yeah they could be friends and not listen. So, um, we we moved towns part part way through that, and I changed dog clubs, and um, we started a different journey um, where. Um, it was slightly different training methods, and I started. We got better, actually. We got better. We improved. We improved so much that we started competing in obedience. Which, mm. given her, she was not a very obedient dog because she used to like running off, and she would rip everything up. <laughs> so you know, but she went on to compete in dog shows, start me on a journey. Um, that I'll be forever grateful for. Um, and we won a lot of obedience competitions and she was an obedience champion. Oh, nice. So, so yes, misdemeanors and all, never give up, as they say. <laughs> but um, the other thing that she did was um, she did a lot of different sports. Um, around that time, we hooked up with a group of other enthusiastic people who had lurcher type dogs as well and we we started a sled dog racing group so i know that's a particular similar to a particular passion of yours <laughs> yes it is yep <laughs> um, so sled dog racing was pretty much um we're in new zealand on land obviously and there's not a lot of bush or snow so we adapted um old bmx bikes so if you can imagine growing adults on an old BMX bike that's had the pedals taken off and has been sort of modified into a scooter. There were none of these fancy, fancy <laughs> scooter. You couldn't buy anything. There was no buying scooters or what do they call them? Mondoring equipment or whatever mm-hmm. fancy bits of equipment have since been invented. No, we had to make everything. So it was pretty much visiting, you know, dumps and and giveaway piles and and the newspapers for, you know, kids' bikes and, and all of that was made. Um, there were quite often, you know, working bees on a Sunday afternoon where people were welding and making stuff. And it was the same with the harnesses. Um, you know, I I was sitting there sewing harnesses and fitting harnesses on dogs. 
wow. making them out of webbing and sheepskin. To and um and we became a really it was a really good fun dog club and we became a sled dog racing club. And we went on to um you know do everybody went on to do really well with that. So that was another fun thing that she did and she um yeah she was she was a great dog. So do I do I guess around that that time uh, there were there like many of the sled dog racing clubs around or you guys were like the the trailblazers in that sort of area? Well, now here's the thing. So all of the racing dogs the most of the most of the racing dogs were Arctic breeds, mm-hmm. so they were pretty much Siberian Huskies and Malamutes. Yep. Along comes Sheba. She was our first dog. We later went on to get other dogs who were also crossbreeds. And what do you know? These crossbreeds start beating the Arctic breeds. <laughs> yeah, didn't go down very well. And so our little sled dog club that we set up pretty much was for the minority breeds, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, I love and, it. and they were all, for the most part, lurchers or lurcher mixes. Mm-hmm. So, you know, greyhounds, whippets. Um, we later got another dog, um, and she was a Springer Spaniel whippet cross. She was super fast. Um, and, um, yeah, so that, that was kind of where Sheba took us. And funnily enough, what do you know, a greyhound cross was pretty quick. And so she got to do the things that she really loved and we managed to find the thing that suited her personality and her strengths. Um, And I guess, you know, it taught us a lot as young marrieds, you know, because we got married in the time when we didn't have a lot of money um, and we, you may do with what you had. You know, your furniture was all secondhand and, you know, I guess you just made your own fun with mm-hmm. what you had. Hence the, you know, oh, look, someone's turfed out a perfectly good BMX. Let's take all the bits off it. You know, so, and then, you know, we started with like one dog and then we were running a three-dog racing team. So that went on for a number of years and then, you know, the dogs got a little bit older and we started having a family and the four o'clock starts <laughs> and the thing became less less enjoyable. And um yeah, so Sheba then went on to become a family dog and and teach the next generation about dogs and you know what they can do. She, you know, she was a great dog. She kept so many secrets for the kids and <laughs> nice. You know, I just love being around the kids and adapted well to that. Going to ask, can you remember if there was a, a noticeable difference after Sheba was doing some of the sled dog stuff in her just general behaviour and obedience yeah. with you? Well, a little story about the worst destructive thing she had. So we had a little mini, so that was our car. So I used to ride this motor scooter. Now that has a, you know, it has a taped up seat, duct taped seat <laughs> for a number of years, um, which was a little problematic when the t- tape started to roll, but, you know, anyway. Um, and then we had a Mini was our other car. That was that was the car we had for a long, long time. And we never, you know, I would 
I would work in the, in town and so would my husband. And we might decide that we would go and have a few drinks after work at the working men's club. Well, one of us would have to go home, would go home and get the dog and we would bring the dog back. Like the dog would be in town. Now, I can't remember why, um, but she was left in the car maybe – I don't know, maybe the evening went a little longer than normal. And on this one particular night, we'd had, you know, a few drinks after work. Um, coming home, you know, obviously we haven't had that many drinks because we're able to drive. Come out to the car in the car park, we're having a laugh. We go, oh, that's really funny. Somebody's put toilet paper inside the car. Because, oh, you know, you couldn't lock the car. Like, it, it doesn't lock, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it, it had actually been stolen. I'm not sure even if we um, used the key in the ignition anymore um, because I think that was gone. But anyway, so that was the car we had. And we're laughing because, you know, um, people people would often play practical jokes you know, put things in your car. And we come out and there's all these streamers in the car thinking this is a hoot, this is really funny. And here's Sheba grinning from ear to ear, open the car door. She shredded the roof lining. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> it's just hanging down like streamers. Oh, no. Oh, <laughs> uh, I just, I can still remember my husband's face. So <laughs> that was a pretty significant misdemeanor. So, yeah, just kind of rolled up the streamy bits and stuffed it back up. And I don't think there were too many words mentioned. What what can you say, really? So, um, yeah, so that was – and then, yeah, then that was just before we'd moved. And then we moved and I start this new dog club and, and then we get into sled dog racing and, and, yeah, we pretty much had found the thing she enjoyed and uh, there was a definite improvement in behaviour. Well, there were less – Less misdemeanors. Mm-hmm. You know. So, yeah, it just goes to show you sometimes you've just got to find the thing that taps into the dog's strengths and gives you a bit of an outlet. And, you know, how great is that? Oh, absolutely. They're doing what they love and yeah, exactly. they, they look around and their yeah. best friend in the world is along for the ride. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, and it's the same with um. She competed a little bit in agility, but look, you know, my legs are pretty short, um, and that was a greyhound cross. That was back in the day when pretty much agility courses were in a big circle, and there were lots of different, <laughs> lots of different obstacles. But two of my favourites were what we called the pause box. So it was a square box where the dog had to sit in there for five seconds, which was great because it gave you time to catch up and have a breather. <laughs> and the other piece of equipment that was great was a table. It was called a table, and the dog had to jump onto it and and stay there for, I think that was 10 seconds. So that, there were two opportunities where you could catch, catch up. up to your dog, have a breather, you know, get yourself sorted and take off again. Well, you know, they were gone by the end of the 80s. Um, so our sort of agility career took a bit of a dive, uh, you know, when the pause box and the table left. And, I, you know, I do miss them even now, I have to say. <laughs> have to, you know, so, yeah, look, 
agility is great for do- is a great outlet for dogs as well, like her. Um, but you know, it's interesting because those kinds of breeds are fantastic in a straight line, running in a straight line, and they get in their rhythm and they're in their rhythm, and you're there, and it's amazing. It's awesome. You would know what that's that's like that feeling that you have when you're both connected. But in agility, there's lots of turning mm. and really, you know, it it's involves a bit more steering than just getting in, into a rhythm. So it's a completely different sort of connection. It's, you know, that's a bit more fly by the seat of your pants. <laughs> so, you know, a little less calming. So I can see how, um, you know, being in the bush and all of that, it fits in far better with the relaxed dog <laughs> 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 ethos. <laughs> <laughs> um, how was she um, medical-wise? Were there any vet visits and or any sort of like problems? Well, I think I said earlier that Sheba was a dog, really interesting dog. Um, and, you know, back then it was very common um, and pretty much the norm to have dogs that were five or six mixes of a breed. Um, today, that that's relatively uncommon. So, you know, we refer to it as hybrid vigor. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, I, I've had lots of dogs that would have been that many crosses in them. And they are, <laughs> they are an interesting eclectic mix and look, but they are probably, I mean, it's very hard to, to compare because we live a different life. Um, we feed our dogs different diets. Um, we're not, we don't have as much access to open areas unless we're like you and we go, we really literally do go bush. Um, and, and we're just not doing the same out and about rough and ready, rugged stuff with our dogs. So, you know, is, is that is that part of it? Um, is it the diet? You know, um, back then we we were a rural family, so we had you know our own meat that we used to grow, if you like. And you know, we were probably a bit more holistic in our diet here where we live now. We're a little off the beaten track. It's very hard to get you know fresh meat like. They tell you it's fresh, but I haven't grown it. I don't – is it? I don't know that it is. Fresh-ish. <laughs> and I don't know what it's been fed. So, you know, like when you're looking at your own paddock with your own stock in it, you know exactly what's going on. Um, so there's a lot of that sort of trust around now. Um, you know, I, I don't know, but dogs I, – I do know that – look, I've had probably oh, – I'm not sure. 11, 12, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe more dogs. I'm not going to count them up. <laughs> um, since since Sheba, she was our first. Um, and like I say to you, my, my poor husband, um, you know, we've been married 38 years and he spent six, six weeks of his married life without an animal. So he's not sure he'll it'll ever happen again. I, I doubt it. I can't imagine it. You know, um, but yeah, it's, it's certainly different. Dog breeds, the way we live our life, 
the way dogs are, um, it, it's different. Absolutely. It's a different era, a whole lot of other factors in, involved. Yeah, I, and I don't know whether it's me getting old, but I look back, um, I worried less about what my dogs were doing. I wasn't quite so hypervigilant with their interactions. Um, there were less disagreements around dogs. But I can't, I don't know, and I don't really know why. I have my, I have a few ideas. I mean, maybe that's uh, related to human behaviour and, you know, what we think is permissive and, and what we allow dogs to do and how we allow them to interact. I don't, I don't know. Like it's, it's like I say, it's a different time. The, the way I live my life with my dogs today is so, so different to the way I used to live my life, you know, in the, in the 80s and 90s. Absolutely. Yep. Different era and yes. Yeah. <laughs> and the dogs I have now, um, you know, I, I don't know that they're as resilient um, as the dogs I had back then. Like things would happen, you know, like um, I think – Dogs today have a bit more of a, a lower startle response. Um, they get a bit trigger stacked with too many noises, um, being overwhelmed by a lot of things. Uh, why is that? You know, I, I don't know. I'm pretty sure that, you know, you would, is it that I wasn't aware that a dog was going through that? So I wasn't, I wasn't you know, being mindful of that. And now, you know, I've educated myself. I've, I've made myself learn a lot about dog behaviour and how dogs respond to things. Am I am I just more in tune now? And I see things that I didn't see before. Yeah, well, or, I think you, know. you used a good word before when you said they're resilient because that that, that covers a whole lot of things when, when you drill down into that, the word yeah. and the meaning. but. Well, it's like, for example, here's an example of what I think of in terms of resilience, and you'll relate to this. So when we were training sled dogs, you've got them on a line and they're attached as a team in, in a line to a, to a bicycle safely. And one of the things that a dog needs to be able to do to look after themselves and for it to be safe is if the lead goes under their, under their leg, they need to be able to pick up their leg while they're running and untangle themselves. So, so many times now I see people walking along the street with their dog and <laughs> that you know what I'm going to say, and the lead, the dog is sniffing or something or slowed down and the person hasn't, and the, and the dog's just put its, do, its leg over the lead I see it all the time. And the person, instead of keeping moving and just making it go a bit slack and letting the dog step back over the lead, no, stop, stop, stop. I, I need to fix it and I need to untangle it. And I'm, I, I think, why are you making that a problem? Why don't you just let the dog work out how to step its leg over its own lead and understand that. Why don't you give them the skills to work that out and have the resilience to deal with it when you're just walking down the street and it's not really any drama. 
Uh, and if the dog has got its leg over the lead like that, why is it a problem for you? Like, so I have these little conversations in my head now, and, you know, a lot of what I learned hands-on watching and observing dogs working as a team as sled dogs and training them how to how to become part of that team, even something as simple as that, Lou, taught me so much about dogs, what they're capable of, and then as humans how we just faff about and we've stuffed up the dog even being able to work out how to do something as simple as that. Mm-hmm. Not going to argue that. Sometimes it's uh, people have got to learn just to let them – Give them a bit of time to sort things out themselves. Exactly. And, you know, I think that's another thing you've tapped into is that I think that dogs are starting to mature. It's taking longer for dogs to reach their full mental maturity. I don't know why that is either, but that's just another observation. But I can remember, you know, when I was had my dogs before, um, and Sheba was a perfect example, as a we got her as a six-month-old delinquent puppy, if you like, um, and really destructive with lots of bad habits. That's how she'd be described now. Um, and she barked a lot. So, you know, she she probably, you know, wouldn't have suited everybody. And I can see if she hadn't come to us, like well, there was a fair amount of carnage, let's be honest. <laughs> you know, there were probably a couple of couches and, you know, a motorbike seat and the roof of the car, you know. If that happened today, the, the cost of those items, it, you know, for, oh, yeah, and, some, and the carpet, I forgot about the new carpet, that's a pretty hefty bill. True, so, yeah. but sometimes I think it's um, different people have a, a different, say, different values and ideas and yeah. what's acceptable in one household is not necessarily acceptable in another, but as long as both those households are happy with the general rules, then yeah, then there's no That's problem. Right. That's exactly right. But, you know, in saying that, I've learned so much about um, setting a household, household up with safe places for children, for babies, for puppies, for do- older dogs. Um, and, you know, Shiva was a big part of teaching me that. You know, and like dogs need to be able to be left on their own and don't eat my house. (laughs) But at the same time, there needs to be a balance of, you know, appropriate exercise for that particular dog. So, you know, I'm not going to go out and get a a highly driven um, greyhound mix anytime soon. well, not until I'm retired. <laughs> I'll probably have to do a bit of talking to get, you know, my husband across the line with that one. We'll leave that one for uh, later. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so you mentioned a few things that she ate. One of the questions I ask everyone is to, and you may have already answered this one already, to answer the question or uh, complete the sentence, I can't believe my dog ate. <laughs> oh. Uh, Has there been something else? (laughs) um, No, let's just go with the roof of my car. The roof of the car, yeah, that's a unique one. (laughs) Yeah, that's a good one. Um, Off the top of your head, one of the happiest moments that you spent with Sheba? 
well, this will surprise you. The the do nothing moments Not when you're surprising. just sitting there watching the world go by with the dog's head in your lap. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. You know, she won so many prizes, did some amazing things, taught lots of people, lots of life lessons. But for me, those are the best moments. Oh, really, really, really nice. Um, apart from the, the eating, which we've had a little bit of, did she have any other peculiar habits? No. But don't you think that's enough? <laughs> um, no, actually, no. Interestingly enough, the dogs I have now, like the dogs I've had in later years, they're the ones that have some quite some strange weirdisms and, and quirky habits. But no, pretty much the don't no, I can't recall any peculiarities that she had other than, you know, being quite destructive. Mm-hmm. How was she with maintenance? And I know there was probably less sort of like grooming and maintenance yeah. back then, but do you have any, any sort of like dramas or anything like that or like well, <laughs> bath time? <laughs> I don't know whether this is X-rated or not. Um, so she was a brindle, um, short-coated, very short-coated dog. So bathing, you know, back then, bathing was done in the family bathroom. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she didn't much like it, but I'm sorry, it has to happen. So it was sort of carried out in a matter-of-fact manner um, and she was compliant and then she got treats afterwards. Now um, I know so much more about um, why there was so much shampoo and water up and down the walls and I handle that very differently. (laughs) But back then it was, okay, so get in the bath, you need to have a bath, and she didn't really like smelling nice. So she, as soon as she was bathed, she'd go out and roll in Rolling something nice. disgusting. Yeah. So pretty much we compromised a lot of the time. And um, I used to use wipes and, you know, a bit of that deodorant spray. Um, but she did have a few problems, and this is where I'm saying is it X-rated, and I hope no one's eating, but she had a few problems with her anal glands. However... That was when I learned how you can empty them yourself. Mm-hmm. Now, that's not for the faint-hearted, but that did save, a, you know, a few vet bills, um, which is another important thing. You know, like if you can deal with your dogs every day, first aid, like um, checking their ears, um, you know, grooming, washing, bathing, nails, um, you know, being aware of, of early signs of illness, you can save yourself so much money with vet bills. Absolutely. You know, so, and a lot of my early dogs taught me taught me a lot of that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, probably the worst thing that she ever had were um, broken toenails, um, you know, like and torn off down to the quick so they would bleed a lot. Mm. And, you know, I can remember the first time that happened. Um, rushing her off to the vet and and then learning fairly quickly, you know, some basic tips to deal with that. Um, What's your go-to for putting on the, the end of the quick? 
Um, soap. Soap. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, usually that one works if it's not too bad. So just like a, a cake of soap usually, you know, and stick it and it would stop it bleeding. Yeah. I, I'm not sure that's recommended, uh, you know, a recommended veterinary treatment. <laughs> um, so you might want to check that one out. Yeah. We'll put a disclaimer at the end of the podcast. <laughs> Did you um, travel much around with Sheba? Oh, well, back in the day, so we've got the mini. We don't have a lot of money. Um, and, you know, so we didn't go away a lot. We used to go camping a little bit. And if we couldn't take her, then, yeah, we would. Um, she would go into boarding, which is very different to boarding now. Um, and, yeah, she was fine. Mm. So, yeah, we did, you know, she used to sit in the back seat in the mini. <laughs> I'm picturing that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was, it's quite the picture. You know, I'm sure they made back seats a lot wider now just because of, you know, the number of dogs. But, you know, yeah. Um, I know it's a bit of like a – anthropomorphizing, but uh, in your opinion, her, her favourite place, apart from your home and where you were? Uh, oh, she's one of those den dogs. You know, I like to dig a den hole um, and there were circular holes. She had a couple of them and she would just follow the sun around. Okay, yep. Pretty much. Yeah, that's probably her favourite place to lie. Oh, no, very nice. And what about if you did go away with her? Do you think she had a, a preference for a particular area? Or? Oh, just, you know, if you was if you were sitting somewhere, just, you know, lie on your foot. She was one of those, like <laughs> a leaner lie on your body part on your foot or somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, being the short coat, how did she go in the, the cooler months? Oh, she was fine. Like um, we did used to uh, – you know, um, put dog coats and stuff on her because, you know, it is New Zealand. And she slept inside. But, yeah, she had quite the range of dog coats. Um, but, you know, dogs, they tend to adapt anyway and they just, they their fur thickens up. Like she wasn't, she she didn't not have an undercoat, um, but, yeah, she just adapted to the colder climate. But, you know, you find if you... If you have a warm blanket and your dogs, their pads on their feet are warm and their chest is warm and there's not a draft on them, your dog's warm. Mm. Seb, anything else coming to mind about Sheba that you'd like to share? Um, Only that I didn't realise how awesome she was until she was gone. Mm. You know, like take the time, you know, to to reflect and remember those moments when they're still around. Because mm-hmm. I think often um, even when you have those nightmare moments, looking back, I can remember, you know, it wasn't the dog being naughty. It was it was humans understanding why dog, why she did what she did, you know, and replacing that with another positive outlet. So I think, you know, take the time, 
remember all those awesome moments and, um, you know, enjoy them while they're around because, unfortunately, they don't they don't hang around for long enough. No, never. Um, I'm just really um, pleased that all of all of my children who are now adults got the time to know her and remember her. And we have, you know, some awesome photos of her with all of them. Nice. So nice. that's the other thing. There's no excuse to not be taking photos now. <laughs> You've got mobile phones. We didn't have those back in the olden days. <laughs> now, like so many people that I've that I've spoken to that and many that have been on the on the podcast, you indicated before that after you got Sheba and eventually that changes the course of your life and what you do. Do you want to sort of tell a little bit about where that went and what you're doing now? Oh, yes. Didn't she just? So I'd always been a bit of an animal fancier and animals have always played a really big part of my life. I didn't realise that until sort of looking back as you get a bit older. Um, But Sheba took me to a dog club um, where I met lots of awesome people and I became a voluntary dog trainer and, and I guess, developed this passion for working with animals and people. And I became a life member of one dog club and um, joined another dog club and started dog clubs and realised that animals have so much to give and people sometimes just need to stop and and listen to the lessons that animals are trying to teach us. And through that journey, that's um, pretty much being involved in a dog club and being having so many, you know, human and animal mentors, I became a dog trainer. And I, you know, it's only, I've probably been a professional dog trainer full-time now, um, probably 15, 20 years. Um, I, I did it before then, but it wasn't, it wasn't, it was voluntary. Um, but now I spend most of my days with people and dogs, helping humans understand dogs. Nice. And, nice. and what an awesome, awesome, awesome life that is. Absolutely. So that's, that's what I'm doing. And I'll do it for as long as my mind and body allow me to. Um, and yeah, just it's it's the best job ever. So if people <laughs> wanted to see more of what you do or get in touch, where 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 should they look? <laughs> well, I have actually for those people who aren't local local, um, there is some online there's some online training that I've made available, and I've also written. Um, a series of books. So that all of that information is available on the website and that's www.animaltalent.com.au. Louise, it has been a pleasure chatting with you and hearing all about Shiva. <laughs> it's been awesome. Thank you so much for inviting me. It was really good fun. Oh, thank you. I look forward to catching up with you very soon. Take care. Absolutely. Coffee's on you, though. Yeah, I can do that.
Thank you very much for listening. I hope that you enjoyed the show. Extra thank you to our new listeners in Talavera de la Odon in Spain and also in St. Ignatius in the US. Thank you and I hope you continue to enjoy how awesome dogs are. If you would like to leave a review, it would be appreciated on whatever platform you are listening on. And feel free to join us in the Facebook group. Until next week, stay safe and remember, your dog is family. 